It's ten times the terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm not okay. Hello, hello, and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. My name is James. And I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. And on today's special episode, we're going to be discussing a relatively new Netflix show. You may have heard of it. It's called Midnight Mass. This is the latest Mike Flanagan project, and uh, we thought it definitely be worth discussing. Uh, Mike Flanagan's you know, been kind of pretty prominent in the horror scene as of late. He directed such films as Hush, uh, including and Doctor Sleep, the new Stephen King story. It's the sequel to The Shining. But he's done a lot of these Netflix shows. He did The Haunting of Hill House, which I liked quite a bit, as well as The Haunting of Bly Manor. And so this is his latest kind of one-off series called Midnight Mass. It's a total of seven episodes. You can watch now on Netflix. I think the whole thing dropped on September 24th of last year. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched this a few months ago, so I'm a little bit removed from it. But I, I recommended both Dad and Gwen, you both watch it because... I think there's a lot going on in it and it has a lot to say about obviously religion and, and so many stuff. And so I think we can kind of go around and maybe give our general thoughts and then maybe kind of organically let the conversation unfold from there. Um, but right off the bat, I think this is a lot, there's a lot going on in this show and it's kind of worth getting right into it. So I think right off the bat, we're just going to say that we will be discussing this show in depth, going into spoilers. So if you haven't watched Midnight Mass, Go watch it on Netflix. Come back, listen to our discussion. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the ending, talk about all the different kind of components and what's going on, because there's a lot to discuss. So, Dad, we can start with you. What are your kind of your overall impressions of this show? Well, I I thought it was very engrossing uh, and there's a lot to talk about. I have to say um, I'm not totally happy with how the demonic is portrayed. And uh, I could say more later on, I have a very, I really have a theological view here, not just a cinematic view. So my view of, of how you portray the demonic is the way I've approached the whole, my, for, my, for my personal self, approach the whole horror film genre. So uh, I, I will say more about that if there's certainly people who wouldn't, wouldn't subscribe to my view of this. Uh, and that's, that's fine. Uh, but that's my one problem with it. I think there's a lot of other things to talk about with it. Um, very graphic, very bloody. I, I, I think that's a general observation I make about a lot of current stuff, that it's, uh, it doesn't have to be as, as gruesome as it, as it turns out being. Uh, but you know, I say that what makes the horror film genre important is it deals explicitly with the problem of evil, which is the biggest problem in human affairs, and it includes supernatural evil, not always, but frequently, and and that's clearly here in this in this series. So it's worth talking about and sharing things back and forth about it. Uh, there are there are some very positive things about it too. So that's just a quick overview. Okay, so I I just finished it last night. Um, as for your request, I had no idea what I was getting myself into because I actually haven't seen any of his previous stuff. I know the Haunted Hill stuff was popular, but I just never had a chance to watch it. Um, I was like really, I was really impressed with this and I really thought it was much more relatable. Like, I just feel like I have not seen a demonic anything in the last probably like 15 years easily that I thought has been 
in any way, shape, or form scary or believable. Like, I just, I think they're all trash. I hate all of them. They always just have, like, the worst storylines and, like, no real depth to them. And I feel like this was the complete opposite. I feel like this really touched, especially for, like, us growing up always religious, I feel like this really kind of touched on a lot of things in, in to me, which was a very smart way, where, yes, you have this very clear demon vampire or whatever but the whole good and evil it isn't really so much like good versus evil as how i saw it it's almost this very nuanced like how you perceive it and like whether that's right or wrong but like it was very i thought it was very very smart the way these overly religious people kind of were explaining away what was clearly evil but like using the bible to support it as if it wasn't that bad. Does that make sense? Like it was, whereas yeah, all, the, yeah. all the normal people, like, I feel like I really, you know, I feel like we're supposed to relate to like the Aaron and the Riley where, you know, you kind of go along with the stuff, but you also kind of are putting yourself out of it a little bit where you're like, this isn't totally normal. You know, I'm going to go with it. Cause I've just always known it. I found myself getting riveted by it as it was going. And I also liked that it wasn't a lot of, the jump out scare or the typical gore which is what usually turns me off I felt like when the gore was there it was very purposeful and like only helped further the narrative so it didn't bother me that much at all um I actually I really loved it I, I want to rewatch the last episode because I feel like there's just so much happening and I feel like there were so many like onion layers so I want to I want to like hear more of how you guys kind of took everything because I definitely feel like we could go down a rabbit hole with everything happening in the series. Yeah, I, I think kind of echoing what you're saying, Gwen, I, I have liked pretty much anything I've seen from Mike Flanagan. I liked The Haunting of Hill House show a lot. I liked Hush. I liked Dr. Sleep. Um, I think this, though, is the thing I'm most impressed by because of kind of all of the different things it's drawing on. I think kind of right off the bat, what I like is that when you, I think for a lot of people, when they hear kind of religious horror, if you will, they immediately think The Exorcist or something along mm. those lines where you're dealing with demonic, but in, in a yeah, sort of like exorcism type way. And so I like that, even though, yes, you do have a very real demonic force in this, I thought it was kind of interesting and very almost original that you're, you're taking a lot of the vampire lore and sort of grafting that onto what I see as a very kind of story about the sort of abuse of power in religion in an almost Jonestown kind of cultish way. I mean, I think in the, in the second to last episode where they're about to do this kind of mass suicide that to me is totally a jonestown kind of imagery and i think and i think that's where yeah i think you're right one where we the audience are kind of perceiving a lot of this like o'reilly or aaron the two main leads but that you're sort of skeptical about some of what's happening especially as we're seeing these actual miracles start to happen like with the the paralyzed girl beginning to walk where it's kind of like oh this is what's supposed to be a miracle but you're still kind of sort of like taking it at a distance of what's actually happening and so for it to kind of reveal itself to be kind of what, what I like, too, is that it, it just it's showing how how a people in this case, like a, a church and, this, and and really the community at large, because it's kind of this whole town is sort of under the under the spell, if you will, of this kind of very um, distorted view of religion and kind of like, you know, an abuse of power. And you're right. It's kind of what are you doing kind of in the name of the Bible or in this case, what you're what you're how you're perceiving the bible and especially then when you have the when you have the demon which the 
priest th- like believes to be an angel, it kind of it kind of is asking that question of like of like what is blind faith and judgment, and kind of like how is it as you said, Gwen, your perception of something versus what it actually is. Yeah, I think what I love the most though about the demon angel is I feel like you could argue, is it a demon or is it maybe an angel? Because what I love, which Dad, I feel like you've said this so many times in sermons. Like the one, like you've always said, the one thing that the angels always say before anything else is like, don't be afraid or like fear not. So like there's something Mm -hmm. scary about angels that like from what we understand, you know, like that they have three wings and that they have all this weird stuff. Whereas in art and stuff, we always see them as these like glowing, beautiful figures. I just like that even the craziest religious lady, Bev, her name is Bev, Beverly. I love that she uses that literally to, to like kind of, right away the fact that this is probably a demon vampire you know <laughs> but like but like the argument i think is a good argument that's like well maybe it is an angel or like what does that really mean you know like i i i kind of liked that it was very very smartly nuanced in this we understand that there's right and wrong but there's just a lot of like weird things happening where it's like okay it's evil but you see all these positive things happening with the um with the the girl being able to walk again and the mom mm-hmm. with dementia getting better and younger and people with aches feeling better. But then the flip side of that is, you know, you're burning up in the sun or like, you know, Erin loses her baby, you know, or things like that. And it's like, I thought it was very interesting. And, and what I like too is that it doesn't, for a show that is about religion and specifically Catholicism and kind of how it's being corrupted, I, I think that it, it does a good job of not really forcing a sort of moral um conclusion that that isn't already there and it's not forcing you to either think one way or another i think it, as you said Gwen, it's nuanced enough where you can kind of take your own sort of interpretation of it of, of is this what is positive here what isn't it's not forcing any kind of religious views down your throat it's it's very kind of i think neutral in a lot of ways and I think what's interesting, too, about Mike Flanagan, the creator, is that he was raised Roman Catholic. He says he was an altar boy growing up. He's now an atheist, and he has been sober for three years. So this is obviously a very kind of personal story, and I think the the character of Riley is very much like this sort of stand-in for him. Um, and, you know, he's obviously the one that is kind of t- says that he's sort of an atheist and doesn't believe all this. But again, you're seeing so many so many kind of things of higher power, whether good or not, happen throughout the show that it really it really kind of questions kind of everyone's views and how you kind of understand faith and understand belief. And yeah, like when you're being told, as you said, Gwen, when you're being told like fear not, well then when when does that get called in question? I think I really like the way the show takes that kind of neutral stance. Yeah, I think um it's a very traditional demon. I mean, that, the, the the demon that should have been it could be right out of a a gargoyle in a in a medieval church uh, setting. And um, right. I and I think given that, that 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 is so overt. I mean, I you know, I mean, the, the, the fallen priest can be saying, "Well, this he's an angel." No, uh, he he you know he he looks like you could you know in terms of artwork, you could just go and find all kinds of examples of that kind of a demon, you know, especially with the bat wings and all. You know, and there's many other images you can have of the demonic and of, and even of Satan, uh, which are much more un- uncertain, you know, even like the devil in Daniel Webster and 
certainly the devil rides out, things like that. I think here's my theological point. If we're dealing with the demonic, uh, we're in a situation where the, the de demonic and Satan himself have been defeated, been defeated in the cross. This is my opinion, you know, my perspective. Uh, they can never be shown as uh, being unopposed or having free reign. And it may be that the opposition is not the most effective, but there needs to be some sense in which that these are already doomed figures uh, by virtue of the fact that they are the demonic. And I, I, I miss having somebody right from the, very, the first time the demon appears uh, to sort of stand up to it, because I think it, 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 it seems to almost have too much power. I, I hear what you're saying, Dad. But do you feel like maybe there was like a little bit of like a like a wicker man type thing happening where the evil was very tangibly overt? And to me, I agree that the demon was very stereotypical demon. But I think what kind of differed for me was how the rest of the characters responded and perceived to the demon. You know, like um, I felt like the way they interacted with it was a little bit different for me. I felt like there was a sense of good and evil, but I feel like the good was the heart was the characters that had to make the hardest choices. Um, like what, how, like how did you feel about Riley's final scene on the boat with Aaron, where again, you heard the near my God to thee like playing subtly as he's talking to her and he's not even overtly telling her anything about the demon or all this stuff and he he has a very clear choice of of going along with with the evil or standing up to it and you see him have that um well what's like a very like to me that felt very saint mod right james like that like the end of that that episode but you you finally see him see the girl that he killed who's been haunting him the whole season and she's finally whole again she's not kind of all like messed up from the accident and she takes him by the hand and you see his perspective where then it flips in the saint Maud way to aaron's perspective of him burning up but i was seeing him i i took that as his as his final salvation yeah, even though he, was, he, yeah was, I... he was trying so hard to kind of do the right thing for so long but it wasn't until he really turned away from the evil that he kind of was absolved of of his sins yeah, I think that, that that that's there, and I think it definitely there's there's a a communal expression of faith at the end. Uh, but I I I just you know, I, again, this is just my perspective. I think that the whenever the demonic is being evoked uh, in, in any dramatized form, there needs to be right as part of that depiction an example of of the of the victory of the cross, whether it's you know, at the cross itself uh, or it may be. Uh, priests who are struggling, like in the exorcist, something. But for me, that needs to be there. Otherwise, it gives a it gives an, uh, a, a faulty view of what the nature of of, of the evil is. See, I, I disagree a little bit because for me, I mean, at the very end of the show, we see the whole community together singing "Near My God to Thee," which again is very reminiscent of that's what the hymn they sung at the end of Titanic. So I think they deliberately chose that hymn. But still, you're, you're, they're all singing near my God to thee as this eastern dawn is rising. And you have after Aaron sort of slices the, the one wings of the, of the demon and it's flying away, it's clearly losing power because it's, it's, its wings are ripped. And 
you can just, I think, even if you don't explicitly see it, you can understand that as everyone that drank the blood's about to die, so will the demon. But I mean, to have all these people singing near my God to thee as an Eastern sunrise is coming up. I mean, that to me is as clear a depiction of good as you're going to get. I, and I, I agree. With I, that. agree. I, I just think there needs to be needed to be some semblance of that from the very beginning. Um, you kind of wanted that Van Helsing character. Yeah, I think you have to have it. I mean, I, I, you know, otherwise you've got Rosemary's Baby or, you know, all these other kind of Halloween things. Uh, or, yeah, I didn't take the ending of this the same way as those films by any means. No, I, I did I, not. I'm not saying, I'm not saying yeah. about the ending. I'm talking about them from the, 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 the very first appearance of the, uh, of the demon. Uh, there needs to be, you know, in other words, the demon has, has got to be a figure who already, already has been defeated. Dangerous and active but uh, lacking in any ultimate power. Yeah, but I think, I do think it plays into like that Jonestown kind of the manipulation and the brainwashing where it's not like everyone sees the demon right away, right? Like the monsieur, we basically know he's completely lost. Um, he's, he's got like Alzheimer's or dementia or something very serious when he kind of like first encounters the demon. So we know he's not even in his right mind. He's, I think, manipulated by it and it's very slowly the people that kind of find out about the demon and it's the ones that are the most kind of already under the spell if you would of kind of just like this over the top crazy version of religion mm-hmm. and i feel like i feel like yeah. as the more normal people start to encounter this demon they're the ones that are like this is not this is not okay and i do think that then you have them by burning down all the the shelters before dawn you have this very overt like we're not going to let this get away you know and we're not going to let any of the people that have been too far gone get away yeah i would like to have said again james i've already talked about this i would like to have seen given how graphic so much of it is i'd like to have seen the the demon at the end burst into flames uh rather than just be sort of like okay you, you know it's happened but we've seen such graphic stuff up to this point I think that to finalize it, we need the. I, I would like to have seen, you know, the uh, the sun as the sun comes up, the demon just turns in, in, into flames, you know, kind of like, you know, like Dracula in the in the daylight. I, yeah. I think for me, I think for me, it's like as as iconic a look as that demon is, and how traditional it is, and as you say, like in like medieval, you know, imagery and stuff. For me, though, like narratively, the the antagonist of the whole story is the priest, is the Father Hill. And I feel like the way I kind of described this uh, yesterday to you, Dad, was that the, the way I look at the priest and the demon is kind of like in Hound of the Baskervilles, where the hound is the monster, but the, the villain of the story is Stapleton. He's the one that sort of orchestrates all of this, and the, the beast is sort of like an agent. And that's kind of how I saw this. So... For me, though, if, if I look at it where he's sort of like the villain of this story, he's the one we do see burst into flames. And right before he says, forgive me. So, like, I understand that, like, the, the look of the demon is very very vivid and, and, and has a lot of historical, is very loaded historically. But I still think narratively, the priest is the villain. And so we see him burn up. Yeah. I agree. And I would also say Bev. I would say she's his right-hand man. She's the one reaffirming yeah. his bad choices and we also see she's the only one that seems to be scared at the end by the sunrise and we well, do see well, her first in the flames too like to, that's yeah. right too is all the people singing near my god to thee to me they are the true believers and mm-hmm. they are the ones that are clearly not afraid to die 
Whereas yeah, Bev is like screaming and 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 digging in the sand. So it's like that also just shows the 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 assurance of faith versus the yeah. The, I mean, I see those as as you know, demonic disciples, but I, I I just you know for me, as I say, what's really prophetic and the most significant part of the whole tradition is this idea that the power of the demonic has been broken forever. It, you know, it can only function it functions in a serious way, but it it has no ultimate control, and it, the the opposition, I think, narrowly needs it needs to be there from the very beginning, even if it's not totally effective. I mean, even in the, the Wicked Man, you've got Sergeant Howie from the very beginning. There's no question that you got opposition uh, to the demonic forces that only then become clear as, as time goes along. For me, I think given the fact that that this is a, it is a demon, uh, a final shot doesn't have to be the final shot of the whole show. But I think seeing the the demon itself burst into flame to me was something that, that I really like to have seen, given how given how graphic right from the very beginning. That that this the show is a lot of others may not sh- you know may not share that but to me I I have a particular theology that I bring to these films you know okay uh, yeah and uh, and that's how I interpret them so I, to me it, it was a could have been stronger uh, on that I think the choice of nearer my God to the yeah as, as James said clearly it's a reference to uh, Titanic but it's also uh, a very traditional hymn. It's not in most hymnals. And I think people should know that. So it, it means that it, it is something that goes back several generations. Yeah, it's almost taught by like word of mouth and, right, and the right. traditions. It's, it's really, I think it's really a 19th century hymn. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I, see, that's another piece of that I would like to think. Yeah. So, you know, like in terms of grace, it'd be in the brown hymnal, but that's right. it. But it not the not red hymnal. No. That actually makes it more poignant in a lot of ways, I feel like, because I think a lot of the commentary is trying to say why the demon was able to thrive in this scenario is because he was going into a broken system. Like, there was a lot of um, focus that I thought was smartly done on kind of ignoring problems. Like, I think a lot of, not just religion, but I think also just growing up in certain eras, it was almost like we don't talk about problems, we don't address issues, we we ignore them, if if it will. And um, I thought it was interesting in the confessional where Reverend Paul kind of talks about how he was so far gone mentally, and everyone kind of knew it, but no one really addressed it. And I think that you could see the church was really failing because of that. And it was almost like no one's going to talk about it. I took that as the demon saw an opportunity to kind of infiltrate a broken system, if you will. Yeah. And I, I but see, I see, I think and this is where I'm, I'm bringing this up to it. The idea, though, that that a, a very old hymn still has power because of the nature of what it is. I agree. In other words, a hymn that is not part of current worship in most churches. As opposed to, I don't know, a, a more you know, a more current, familiar, or even a more classic one, you know, "All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name" or something like that. But "Nearer My right. God to Thee" is really a, a an expression of 19th century Christianity. That makes the ending even more like triumphant. Then, but I'd like to have seen you know ways to express that more. Like you say, it's not something that that the, the modern day viewer watching it is going to you know generally pick up on. Although it might it might be somewhat familiar knowledge that that was the hymn sung on the Titanic as it was going down. Oh yeah, I know absolutely. Absolutely. So that might be people sort of like 
touch point to that. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the, the modern viewer is going to associate that with the Titanic. But I'm saying, you know, that it, it's got a roots that go, go way back on that. Yeah, uh, but I think it plays more into the story, too, at the end, where if everyone's singing it and knows the words to it, and it's clearly probably not in their typical hymnal, it's kind of breaking away from that old tradition of the religion that they were following that, like James was saying, the true followers were following, but the ones leading it were so far lost. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it shows that 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 this this foundational faith statement uh, still has power. What did you guys think about the final the final moment with the two kids on the boat and the last line where she's just like, "I can't feel my legs." Yeah, I brought that up with with James. I was I was wondering about that myself, and I think oh, James, you can speak for yourself. But I think it's the idea that all of the, the demonic influence has, has been taken away. Yes, and she, she was not you know she was not healed. Uh, by anything that was holy, she was healed by something that was very unholy, and with with its disintegration, all of its effects now disappear too. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm, I'm just actually what James I, said. I think that's I, yeah, right. I I agree with that. I think what I what hit me the most with that line though is she didn't seem upset by it. She almost seemed relieved. Yeah. Well, okay. it's she's moving out from under the influence. So. Yeah, like yeah. The, the two of them are the sort of like the hope for yeah, yeah, the future. Yeah, and, and I think kind of going back to what you're saying too, going about like kind of like the the demon sort of uh, infiltrating an already kind of broken system. I think especially that this that this church and this community is specifically a Catholic church, and I think that gives it a greater connotation because we know so much of the real life corruption that exists in the Catholic church. And so I think mm-hmm. you're right. Like, I, I understand what you're saying, Dad, where yeah, like, ideally you have the Van Helsing type character. But we know that in real life, in like the real kind of church, that person doesn't exist. So when you have mm-hmm. a people that is already kind of under under a sort of corrupt influence by their leaders, by the, the people of their church, to, that's when you then have the, the bringing in the influence of an actual demonic force, which, again, then, as we're all kind of saying, I think then makes the ending of all of them singing near my God to thee as the dawn is rising, all the more is more triumphant. I mean, I, I did mm-hmm. not at all take it as the old right. people is getting away with this. The evil is presented earlier as, as, as being, being triumphant, but you know, it, it collapses there. Right. And I, I think how I took in terms of having a Van Helsing type character, I think what's more realistic in today's age is that Van Helsing type character that would be saying, all the stuff you know of of kind of the righteous or the whatever ends up becoming like the bev type character and how many times do we talk about this and see people in church where it becomes a manipulation tactic oh god's telling me to tell you you know x y and z and i think that came off so well where she to me she was the most evilest of all the characters she was like the scariest she, thing in the whole movie yeah she no, had like that, even that, that, that thing is always there but i know i mean the, the the voice of the faith is is it needs to be genuine uh even though it may have its own weaknesses and so forth that uh, i was also thinking you know that the um uh, Bev, you know she's taken very much with the 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 surface reality of all of this uh-huh. And that the first the first little exchange you see between her and the minister is over. He's not wearing the right color vestment. Right. Yeah. You know that that that's her first point. <laughs> you know. And uh, she clearly we clearly know she can justify kind of killing animals and things if she thinks it's for the the greater good. And I love and how when he people too. Yeah. yes, and I don't you love when when the priest finally does kill 
someone for the first time, the guy that finally is going to AA and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of very upset by what he has done. You know, you see him in the corner, clearly like upset and remorseful and she doesn't blink an eye. And then she keeps referring to them, to them as it, we have to get rid of it. And the two guys keep being like, this is a guy we know. And they keep saying his name and she keeps, she keeps reverting to it as an object, which I thought was so Mm -hmm. such a good, like exchange. It just really, I like. I think you said she was so caught up with the worldly stuff, and I think she was getting excited by the power coming in, no matter where it was coming from. Yeah, and 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 she was she's already set up to be, uh, you know, in the biblical sense, the, uh, the corrupt religious figure, like you know the Pharisees or the Sadducees and so forth. Uh, like you know the Pharisees who complain about all the minutia. Well, the first time we really encounter her, she's complaining about the minutia. You know? Yes. But I think and that's she's... what's so scary about her is that she feels like someone you would find in your church. Yeah, I, I think that's actually the case. And the New Testament talks about how demons are in are in church during worship, but they're not. But I mean, that that's leading up to the, you know, to where they are they're cast out of the cross. Uh, I, I I do think that it would, it might be interesting, as I just said. Uh, you picked up on it that um, you know, "Nearer My God to Thee" is not a current hymn book in most churches. It's not a current hymn, but mm-hmm. it, it also ties you then into the the deeper roots of, of of what faith is, and that even even when you've been a, a attacked you know, to this degree, where it looks like it's a triumphant kind of evil, the way it's you know when it first moves in and and all these things are happening. That uh, it it can't possibly prevail. Finally, went out. It can it can cause all kinds of trouble, but uh, you know Hitler can't win World War II. You know it's this kind of thing, um, and 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 that is a uh, that's a particular theological view that I have. You know, and um, I think you know it, it operates in a lot of film. But that's really how I. You know, even the people have commented on that in in, in stuff I've written. I'm always writing it from the standpoint of Christianity and the horror film. You know, and to <laughs> me, I have a I have a theological bias. I'm very clear. I of course. And I think that that's that idea that the power of the cross is always present. Now, there's never a time when it's not present. I mean, it can be hot, greater or lesser, uh, but it's never a time that it's not present. You like too on that note. Like again, it's obviously a lot of of the Catholicism. But you even have like the Muslim characters, like the 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 sheriff, and so even at the end, he and his son are praying on the beach. Like I I like that you're you're drawing in so many different views of belief in general, and and they're in effect part of this same expression of faith. They're not singing the hymn, but they're with the people who are singing the hymn. Right, right. And, you know they are there on the beach, and 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 they're they're worshiping, they're praying. So you know, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, right. I think what James and I are so drawn to in this having grown up as your kids and grown up in church our whole lives is I just felt like I felt like the way I interpreted the series was a very clear juxtaposition of old versus new and I took it as the demon even though he's a literal demon I I felt like it was very purposeful in a lot of ways to make a statement of this old versus new like all the evil stuff is is in a lot of ways very old about how they go about it and um and then and all the traditions and all the old traditions is how the demon is 
thriving in this community. And although you don't have that, um, that devil rides out moment or the, you know, that cross, you know, blazing or, or burning up, you know, the evil, I feel like the, the good was presented in the today where it's, it's like just by questioning what's happening, they're almost like, like whispering about it amongst each other when they question anything with the religion, because you're not supposed to do that, you know, like you're not supposed to question anything that's happening or you're crazy or you're whatever. And I think that's how, I mean, we always talk about like, you know, where's God when bad things are happening or where is, you know, mm-hmm. God comes in, in the stillness of the whisper and, and, and all these things. I feel like that was very purposefully juxtaposed where the good was the subtle and the whisper and the evil was that old school. To me, the real pinnacle moment of that was the Riley character choosing to accept death when he's kind of forced to be this vampire against his will and they're trying to sell it to him like it's a great thing and the first thing he does is go and and basically show Aaron what's going on and by making that sacrifice that's when he finds peace Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no one else knows about it we only know that he, he is sharing his viewpoint with us as the viewer but Aaron doesn't even know he just you know goes up in a ball of flames which I think is what real faith and salvation is it's not this big show it's this very personal kind of thing that happens and what I like is this this showing of this boisterousness of how religious and wonderful we are is what I think so many younger people are turned off by when it comes to religion today you know because it because they know it's fake they know it's all for show well it's the you know you do have the the power of the tradition in in the hymn yeah, but I, you know, it uh, there's there's a little for me, you know, too much domination, uh, and I I'm, I agree with all stuff, but too much domination, too much too much free reign for the demon, for lo his, his his doom is sure, it needs to pervade the you know the whole thing, even even in its relative power. Yeah, uh, you know, and you think of like something like the devil rides out, you you actually have. You know that one scene of the you know the devil with the horns and stuff. You know, very, uh, which is another typical example that the, the goat image, uh, right. of, of Satan. And here it's the you know the figure in the back thing. But um, you know, so yeah, this is this is uh, calling people out and deceiving them and and, and preparing them for stuff. But uh, you know, you now okay, you're not going to always have the you know the, like the superhero Christian, which is what you have there. But um, to have other other examples of where people like, you know, the minister, the minister in um, First Reformed, you mm. know, who's who's a very struggling figure, like going back to Winter Light, mm-hmm. uh, are still making strong statements and they're still mm-hmm. holding on to the tra- a tradition that is powerful. But uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of compromises because once it, it comes into the realm of human activity, uh, it faces all the dilemmas of of humans you know who even right. at their best you know are are not consistent uh followers of of, of christ and so forth but, he, but even first reformed in a, in a different way does show that kind of like traditional versus modern yeah yeah right it does that yeah it's uh, the 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 language of the you know the language of the cross in nearer my god to thee is what i was waiting for the whole <laughs> the whole seven episodes you know yeah uh, but it, it, I forget how it, 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 you know, dear my God to me, uh, it's like raise me up to the cross, you know, uh, language to that effect. 
is is very telling. Right. And and it 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 jars with what we we've been seeing, which is rightly so. I mean, it should jar. You know, it should because it's representing something very different. One thing else I I like too, just about the way this is kind of kind of taking vampire and sort of like applying it to the story is like the way we understand like kind of vampiric lore, if you will, is that vampires, you know, obviously, you know, drink blood and stuff, but they, they are essentially immortal beings in a very worldly sense. They are, they are tangentially immortal in this life, whereas you juxtapose that with the Christian faith and the idea is that your everlasting life is after this life, is, mm-hmm. is not in, in your, mortal, your mortal self. And so I think having having those two collide, and then where you get to the end, where yes, all the true believers that are singing are doing so in a very communal way, and it kind of really just represents how the church is the people more than the actual right. building. But also, right. again, they, more they than the leadership. leadership, more than the leadership. Yeah, leadership. they don't have a fear of death, whereas no. like the other ones, like the Bev characters, are clearly a scared of death because right. there is no, there's nothing to fear. In, in 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 the majesty of the Lord, kind of thing. Right. I, I give it credit. It, it's a, a a head first encounter with with the demonic, and the, the fact that they're, they're choosing is essentially a, a medieval image of 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 the demonic. Um, right. But I, I I I mean I gotta say I do agree with Gwendolyn though. I, I do think the evil is portrayed in a very ancient way, whereas the good and a very superficial more, way. Yeah, and yeah. whereas the good is portrayed in a much more modern, realistic way, where yeah, you don't you don't have the the Christian superhero Van Helsing because I'm sorry, if you go to church, you don't see that. You so yeah. like to have it be the, the the everyday people that are of 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 the same faith, I think, kind of resonates a little bit more. The humble believers, you know, <laughs> uh, count for something, you know, uh, and, and count for a great deal. You don't have to be a uh, a Von Helsing character or a Duke de Richelieu. You, you can be more like a Sergeant Howie who hasn't got the whole thing straight, but you know he's is he's committed to the right thing. Right, but I, I really saw that in the Riley character, the one that you yeah, know what yeah. came out of prison and you know he killed someone drunk driving. And even throughout the series, you'll notice his mother and other people will refer to it as like. Again, the the it, like, oh, that this happened or it happened. And he's like, no, he's like, I killed someone. I killed someone. He keeps correcting them in the narrative because they want to, I think there's, you know, the, which is a typical, you know, uh, mentality of you want to push away any negative, you know, connotations and you want to kind of sugarcoat it. Although, Dad, I, I understand where you're coming from because we've seen so many horror movies and so many good versus evil movies. and I agree the demon was set up where you should have had that Van Helsing, you know, kind of devil rise out moment. I think that the director was trying to kind of make a parody of that in a way, because the although the demon is there and he is a present sense of evil, he really is a very subtle character in the storyline. Like he he's never the one that I'm the most afraid of in the whole series. And um I, I just feel like like James like what James was saying is you know where we already know so much corruption in the Catholic Church and different things it's almost like I I feel like this is trying to per- portray how does that slippery slope happen you know like how do you have so many pedophiles you know in the Catholic Church like how does that happen and 
again, all the congregants are not aware of it. They're not all okay with something like that, but but it's happening and you have these innocent people that are just trying to be, you know, worshipful and stuff. And then you have the corruption. I feel like it was trying to tap into that kind of thing that can happen with any, with any religion, you know, and how, you know, mm-hmm. we were bringing up the Jonestown or the whatever, but I feel like it was trying to make some kind of commentary of where it's like, all these people are receiving communion and they're receiving the demon blood against their will, basically. Yeah. And it's, they're receiving. It's, really it, it's really right. a vampire feast. Yeah. Right. And they're and they're receiving whatever benefits from it, but even the people that are receiving the benefits reject it. Like you see Riley reject it. Even the mother who's like de-aging, the first time she goes to the church and she sees the monsieur like young. She says to the daughter, we're never going back there again. Like she right. knows that there's something evil happening, even though she's benefiting from it. Yeah. So you have these characters that are making very clear decisions throughout that I think is what is the representation of the good and the God and the, and although it's subtle, I think it's done on purpose. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, th- I think, I think like See you that. said, uh, with all the, whatever kind of real life corruption that does exist in the church, you have the the ones that are doing it, and then you also have the accomplices, like a bev or someone that are trying to cover it all up or sweep it under the rug. Where then, when things come out, it's kind of like, how do people either not know about this or go along with this? When how they cover right. it up? When in reality, there right. are also the the certain number of people in the church that are there for good intentions, that are there for the right reasons, even if they are not, even if they are sort of susceptible to what's yeah. actually going on. It's like the camp of the woods. I mean, with Rabbi yeah, like the ro- the exactly. Ravi Zach- exactly the Ravi Zachariah thing. I was literally about to say that, and we even talk about this where it's like, oh, do you try to separate? Oh, he was a good man. Oh, blah blah blah. I think the demon was done so purposefully in this very one-dimensional cheesy way to bring out all these innuendos, and and it's it's like, you know, it's like how we're gonna be talking about like you know Mouse and like you know the Nazis and how it's like, oh, you have to come with an open perspective. Like like no like. If a person does wrong and they're wrong, then uh, then they're they're in the wrong. Then everything is wrong. Yeah. It's a, you can't separate <laughs> the the pedophile and the the sex trafficker and the you know sex ring person from oh well he gave very good you know testimonials like like right. no yeah, yeah I mean right. in, in a way in that in that by that logic you kind of need a literal monster in this case to to really to make it not not nuanced or, or right because yeah. I think people will try to downplay the monstrous acts as if they're not a big deal, but they are a big deal. Yeah. 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 You know, as, as perverse as these things can be, it's only all the stuff in the Catholic church, you know, as perverse as that is, there is a, a, there's, there's a counterpoint always, always there. And uh, it may be, it may seem weak uh, or compromised, but it's there. And, uh, the artistry is how you how you negotiate all those things. As I say, I, you know, I have a very definite theological uh, perspective here. I agree with that, but again, to me, you're saying like you wanted something just as kind of overt. To me, that is the people together singing near my God today. I mean, you can't. I can't think of something more triumphant than that against a a Eastern yeah, dawn no, I, rising. I like to have seen some intimation of that earlier. You know? But I think we know those characters are that throughout the whole show. I mean, you're seeing that really come to fruition at the end, but those characters are there the whole show. Yeah. And I think to what right. Gwendolyn's saying earlier, where sometimes like 
the the good is like a still as a whisper. You could say that they are okay. It's a still as a whisper early on the show, it's, but it's present. Yeah, it's clearly there. I yeah. I again, I would like to see you know, given how overt the the image of the d- demonic is. It doesn't have to be you know, equally overt. It doesn't have to be uh, say that you know these outstanding Christian um, leaders, uh, but just something more about that. What's going to come out at the end anyway? You know so. I understand what you're saying. Even if it was, even if it was a small nod to those Devil Rides Out and old films, yeah, to kind right. of acknowledge. Something I under, like I that. understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. you know, it's like the the uh, even the, as far back as you know the very first supernatural film in American history, Dracula. Uh, what what you, before you've ever encountered Dracula or anything? When you you got Renfield there, you know, remember the old woman comes over and and puts the um, the rosary over his over his head and says. Just wear this for your mother's sake, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I mean, that, that's and that's all it is. And then, and then that shows up again later on in in the earlier part of the film. You know, it's it's it, it's small and it's subtle, and it will be developed much more strongly later on. But it's there from the very beginning. Yes, but what's different in this in this series is the evil is coming from the church itself. Yeah. So right, right, people right, are right. engaging with the evil, thinking that they are. Right. Um, being, what, ho- you know, holy and, and people. That is, that, and that is a, 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 you know, a powerful statement, you know. And, and, I, and I think as strong and impactful as like something like the Wicker Man is, you can make the argument that the good and the evil are so, I don't want to say diluted, but so like direct that it's almost like a black and white conflict. This is so much more nuanced. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. To have the yeah. evil be coming out of the church, that I think just ma- makes it so much more yeah. dimensional. Yeah, it does. Right. But to where even Monsieur Pruitt at the very end is negating all the evil he's done, right? Like he's he's tur- he's turning on the evil itself at the very end. You know, he's setting the church on fire, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and he's and he's realizing how lost he got. And that's where I feel like like what James was saying and stuff is it really plays into that like cultish mindset where you get so clouded and lost in what you think is right but you're but you've been so kind of bogged by this like fog of of pers- perspective well, and it, it's like it's like the inhabitants of summer isle in the winter man They're right Ex- exactly everyone's brainwashed exactly i do think that one of the issues with things like this in 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 the real world is that not only is it these horrible things are doing and kind of getting away with but to have the people whether it's the <laughs> other leadership or whoever downplaying it or even just saying like oh well they 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 did mean this you're not addressing the issue and right. so you're you're not you're not sort of like ridding the the cancer if you will of of the church and so it's only going to stay there and kind of grow there and then you're not you're not elim- eradicating the actual evil if you will that that is existing within the church i mean they can't it, even outright condemn it yeah, you know? it's, yeah. It, it, it's 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 crazy the nearer my God to thee also invokes, uh, it may not be, it invokes an image, which is not always completely truthful, but no, it invokes an image of a more innocent uh, faith. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is, this would have been the Catholic, any of the churches before, you know, these, these corrupting influences became so apparent as they are now. And that hymn, that hymn plays faintly in the backdrop of Riley when he's talking to Aaron on the boat, because that's when I first yeah, picked it yeah. up, because I love that hymn. And then when I when they're singing it at the end, I'm like, oh, this is 
this is the hymn of the purity of the faith, if you will. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Especially for this to, to be taking place on this, you know, isolated, remote, close-knit community where kind of everyone knows each other and everyone goes to church on Sunday. It, it I think it just it it um registers a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right. And also the emotion. It's like you know, being, you know, being someone that's always been in the choir and the music is something that I always love. It's so clear the way they sing so many hymns, you know, kind of briefly throughout the series. And it's that typical, you know, we're Presbyterian, but that typical Presbyterian, like, you know, you just, you just mumble along and, and, you know, it, it, it's not really, you know, you're just trying to like not be heard kind of, but at the end when they're all singing together, it's very, very passionate. Yeah, and yeah. it's very different than any of the times that they sing the hymns in the series. And I was so moved by it. And yeah. and again, it's it's in the it's knowing that they're all about to die and not having right. a fear. Yeah. I think that's and really so resonates. It's, yeah. I mean it's sort of like it's like, you know, Sergeant Howie with his statements of belief knowing he's gonna die. But even Sergeant Howie though is way more like emotional and distressed and he's he's clearly scared still. And I think that's at what the very yeah, at the very very like, as he's literally burning alive, he's yeah. clearly like yeah, yeah. crying oh, yeah. out. So yeah. I think there's a, a calmness in the people on the island. Yeah. Which which and, and as you said, Gwen, they are very passionately singing. No one is is mumbling the words. And so I think that there's a calmness right. to them, which is is complete contrast to like Bev, who's like screaming her head off as about it's very i really liked that scene a lot and and i mean i know it would have been nice to see the demon burst into flames but they do make it very clear that there's not a sheltered area for like like 30 miles or something like that like when they're burning all the structures down they make it clear like oh it's it's like 30 miles to the next like covered shelter so we know that the demon didn't make it like we know that you know but and and again we see its wing it's clipped wings sort of like failing and it's Going yeah. off into the ocean where there's no immediate land, and and the nearer my God, it really is an affirmation of faith. Oh yeah. As, as, uh, no, I, I again, I said that I watched the show kind of when it first came out, so I'm a little bit removed from it overall. But before this episode, I did just go back and rewatch that very ending, and I do think it's very powerful. It really, I, is, I do too. Is pointing I was... really. It really hits in a, in a in a not just a spiritual way but an emotional way and I think I mean you, you a, yeah you make a good point Gwen too that you do hear it a little bit at the scene when Riley dies and it, yes. it is just very it becomes like a sort of through line throughout the show yes but this is the equivalent of um, Bun Helsing with the candlesticks exactly well that's what we're trying that's to say is that that's right. what we're saying is that it's just they choose to be very subtle about the good they choose very I think they choose very consciously throughout the whole thing to be subtle about the good. And I think that's a much more realistic take on things, you know? Cause you could mm-hmm. say, oh, evil so obvious. It's a big demon drinking your blood. But we know in the real world, it's really not that, it's not that obvious, right? And I think or, by or, making or, it- Or if it is, or if it is that obvious, it's how do how do people not see, I'm sorry, like, like Ravi Zachariah, you have your own massage parlor and that's not a, obvious red flag so i think like it is kind of like as you said Gwen, like almost like commenting and parroting yes. that idea yeah but it's, it's not only it's not only oh that's a questionable thing for a religious speaker to have but you find out his whole team is their whole job is to just cover it up you know what i mean yeah. like so it's not even like oh we don't know oh it's kind of well, weird but it, it's no it's it's, it's and, like, it, and it's abusive abusive and it's perverse. abusive yes exactly what, what i what i like too about again like the sort of the subtlety of the good 
compared to the the overtness of the evil. I think if you look at the way kind of church in general is perceived in like the media, all the stories we ever hear about church are all negative things, whether it's a Ravi Zechariah, whether it's the corruption in the Catholic Church. We only hear negative things about church and about Christianity. And I think that's where then the we know that as as real as those things are and as as problematic as they are, there is still good in the church. And that even if that's yeah. not what's covering the headlines, that's still present. Yeah. And so I, I, and I what what I loved about the characters is the ones that are actually purely religious. To me, they came off so relatable. Like, I loved the scene with the girl that could walk again when she confronts the guy that was just, like, drunkenly shooting around and, like, happened to shoot her in the spine. And I love her interaction with him where she's one of the most pure and religious figures within the church. She's the one kind of, you know, trying to bring new people in. And she's so rawly honest of, like, I've I've dreamt of you begging for my forgiveness for me to tell you no. You know, like it's it's so yeah, it's so it's so honest. And I respected that scene so much because they didn't even have to give that character that much screen time, you know? And she mm-hmm. could have been this one-dimensional character. And I think that's partly why like she was always very in tune with her true emotions and her religion. And I think that's why it's so poignant that at the end she has the final say just saying I can't feel my legs anymore but almost like in this relieved kind of way like she she kind of comes off as she's kind of like the the tiny Tim of of it all you know she's the the pure innocent you know like nothing but good intentions character but is still very honest and open where we see through the whole series it's a lot of people trying to pretend that bad things didn't happen and trying to like sugarcoat um kind of like any emotional distress or mental issues or anything like that whereas i think especially after 2020 we're doing the opposite of that we're trying to get really in touch with our feelings and our emotions and and trying to really delve into the problems and and rawly address them rather than pretending that they're not there so i really saw i really felt like there was a big contrast between kind of like old generation religion and like new generation religion yeah mhm and, and you can almost, you can almost see her Again, have like temporarily getting um, um, her or like the strength in her legs back as almost like that's the sort of attractiveness of evil. And so yeah. then, yeah, as she says, like I, I can't feel my legs again. It is a sort of like relief of like, yeah, you're no longer. Yeah, yeah that because you know for, for so long evil has been triumphant, you know, uh, and then it. But that has that's funny, you know. As I say, it always gets ex- exposed to a greater or lesser extent, but. Um, but yeah, it's I I I really am. The more I think about it, I really am intrigued by the whole use of. I kind of want to go out and look up the state, look up the, the verses of "Nearer My God to Thee" because I don't know it that well myself, you know. My boy Brian Fallon sings it on his new uh, uh, hymns and Christmas uh, album. Yeah, I I don't think it's in our hymn book, so I think that's one reason why we haven't sung it as a it, It's in one of it's in it's in something that we have. Well, I would have think uh, it was in the, the Brown hymnal, you know. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, 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 I don't think it's in the, you know, the the red hymnal the one we, we were using, you know, for. I mean, it's a simple hymn. I, yeah, it was, yeah, it's near my God to Thee, near to Thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my song shall be near my God to Thee, near my God to Thee, near to Thee, um, though like the wanderer, the sun gone down. Darkness be over me, 
my rest a stone. Yet in my dreams, I'd be nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. There let the way appear, steps unto heaven, all that thou sendest me in mercy given. Angels to beckon me, nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Then with my waking thoughts, bright with thy grace, out of my stormy griefs, um, Bethel I'll raise. So by my woes to be, nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Or if on joyful wings, cleaving to the sky, sun, moon, and stars forget, upward I fly. Still all my songs shall be, nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. So it is a very packed hymn. And it, it summarizes the whole, the whole. It series, summarizes right? the whole yeah. series. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Now that we go through the verses, like I don't know how we didn't begin with that. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, what what I like to, and again, I feel like clearly this show has given us enough to sort of like talk about, and I think that maybe just speaks to the the quality overall. But I think what I like is like clearly Mike Flanagan. He understands horror and he understands Christian religion very mm-hmm. well, and so I think he's. He's making very deliberate choices throughout the whole show. Yeah. yeah, and I would say even though he's, like you said, he is now a proclaimed atheist, I didn't take this as an atheistic view by any means. Neither did I. No, no, neither no. did I. Yeah, if you're an atheist, how, you, well, why are you concluding with dear my God to me? You know, right? Well, because he probably still has roots that he relates to, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it can be euphemistic, but, you know, it, uh, yeah. The fact that that that, that that's but, but that, that's what I like about this show overall is that it's not it's not um it's nuanced enough where it's not telling you exactly what's right or wrong in terms of like Christian faith versus other faith versus atheism like it's 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 broad enough where you can still kind of like interpret things the way again as as you said this whole episode Dad you're you're applying your you know theological bias to a lot of this like I think there's enough here nuance here that you can kind of interpret things the way you want to and i think a lot of great stuff does it i mean i think Winterlight, wicker man as i mentioned yeah they're nuanced enough where you can interpret any first reform first yeah, form yeah, yeah. yeah you can interpret them the way you want to because as we said like wicker man you could interpret as like okay he's he's a triumphant christian throughout but you could also look at it as a wall he dies and his falls right into the trap of these people so it's like it's i think good stories like this give you enough where you can kind of see different uh, perspectives Definitely. Which is a, a lot of biblical it, narrative, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And it brings up a lot of the the the, the goods and bads of organized religion, right? Because we know yes. we know it's always done in good faith, but you know, as we know, organized religion can fail itself. Right. And things like the Bible can be uh not just misinterpreted but but distorted for corrupt means. Intense discussion. We're over an hour now, so we wow. need to start yeah. We need to start wrapping it up, or this episode is going to be like our longest episode ever. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I feel like we've we've said kind of everything we need to say, and yeah, and, uh, I, I I've enjoyed this discussion because I, again I think it just it, if if anything this only makes me appreciate the show even more. I agree. Um, all right, well I guess that'll kind of conclude this very lengthy episode discussing Midnight Mass. So yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully this gave you the the audience something to think about and. You know, hopefully, you know, you had some certain takeaways from watching this show. Um, but yeah, this will conclude today's episode of 10 Times the Terror. I'm James. I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. See you next time. Thank you for listening to It's 10 Times the Terror. The podcast. One of my favorite films ever. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's do that for again. Thank you for listening to 10 Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.